Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. So we have, have Nicola Doria and Cooks on for an episode about BTC Pay Server. I've got my BTC Pay Server shirt on. So welcome, everyone. Uh, I am just firstly going to introduce the sponsors of this show. Yeah. Okay, so um, firstly, we have Kraken, one of the world's leading Bitcoin exchanges. They're also one of the longest standing Bitcoin exchanges. They've got a lot of liquidity. They've got uh, really high volume and they've also, they also offer some of the really, some of the lowest fees out there available. So this is where you can go to sign up for that. And Kraken also have a Kraken Pro mobile app, which is also for iPhone and Android. So uh, it's got a beautiful mobile first design. So go and check that out. Kraken also offer Crypto Watch, which is CryptoWAT.ch. And on that site, you can see it's a charting and trading terminal. And essentially, you can drive the interface for different exchanges through that also. So go and check them out there. Um, Next, I've got a new sponsor. They are CoinFloor. So they're one of the UK exchanges. They're, their website is coinfloor.co.uk and they're offering auto-buy. So just like uh, other companies, they've got dollar cost averaging or auto-buy. And so this is a fantastic feature that I'm really excited about. And the cool thing with CoinFloor is that they are Bitcoin only as well. So if you're in the UK or you've got friends who are new coiners or pre-coiners, send them to coinfloor.co.uk. And additionally, they've got an affiliate campaign coming soon. So you can earn Bitcoin by referring new or existing customers into uh, CoinFloor. So they've also done some work around making it really easy to sign up. Next up is Swan Bitcoin. So I'm an advisor and I hold a part, uh, small equity stake in Swan Bitcoin, but Swan Bitcoin is where you go if you are in the US and you want to sign up to stack Bitcoins in an automated way using your connected up ACH, uh, ACH connection with your bank account. And so then you can stack Bitcoins regularly with every paycheck and they have the lowest, the cheapest dollar cost averaging fee in the US. So you've got to check them out. Have a look. I've done some episodes with, uh, Cor with Corey Clipston and with Jan Pritzker from the team as well. And they've got to focus on education as well. They're really trying to teach people how to hold their own keys and take self-custody. Uh, lastly, but not least, is Unchained Capital, Bitcoin financial services. So Unchained Capital offer a vault service. You can get a two of three multi-signature vault and you can store your Bitcoins and separate your keys geographically. And so that's the vault product. And then on the other side, they've got the loans product. So you can put up some Bitcoin and then get USD as liquidity. And you still hold one out of the three keys in that scenario. So that's a great setup for you also. And Unchained Capital, as we've got their website open right now, you can see on their blog, they've got incredible content such as Gradually Then Suddenly by Parker Lewis. They've also got open source content such as, or open source material rather, such as Caravan, which is an open source multi-sig coordinator. So go and check them out. Um, so that is uh, our um, sponsors for the for the show and so today i think most of my uh listeners are well aware of nicola and cooks who are past guests on the show but just for those of you who are a little newer you don't know who they are nicola dorier works at dg lab in tokyo and he is the creator of btc pay server which is uh, a bitcoin you know, full node and a, it's a basically like a stack it's a full stack that you can use as your payment processor alongside other things as well and Cooks, also a past guest on the show, he's a, a big contributor to BTC Pay, and he is also sponsored by Bitsy, one of the uh, Bitcoin exchanges. So uh, welcome. Welcome, guys. Hey. hey. So guys, I know uh, you've done a lot of work recently. There's been big updates on BTC Pay, uh, and we've got Pay to Endpoint coming into BTC Pay and a range of other things as well. Uh, but uh, first, let's let's just start with uh, with you, Nicola. Tell us a little bit about uh, what what's come in in this recent update and uh, perhaps why you were looking into Pay to Endpoint. Yeah, so um, Pay to Endpoint actually uh, it's for Cooks that got the initial idea. So maybe I should defer to him about this. Um, but uh, yeah, basically in the last test release, there, there's been lots of works going. So there, there was a page on board that I will let Cooks go because it's, it's the one that developed the first implementation and then decided to put it in, in there. And uh, there is also the, uh, all the website re redesign 
that uh, so there is many people that worked on it. Uh, actually, I can cannot cite all of them because uh, even on my side, actually, I, I didn't contribute too much on the design. Uh, but uh, yeah, there, there is a new checkout page. There is a new like uh, homepage. Uh, so lot, lots of UX improvements. So um, then, yeah, the, the, the dark mode, like scroll a little bit. I don't remember. Yeah, the, the checkout design. Uh, so basically, it's like a long-term goal in BTC Pay these days as well is like to to try to unify all the different design. We have different websites everywhere, so we try to unify all the color, all the design everywhere. So that was part of this. And, Excellent. Uh, and go yeah. on. Yeah, so there is yeah. also like lots of improvement on the wallet. So I will let uh, Cooks go because actually it's him as well that developed on the, the new wallet improvement as well. Excellent. Yeah. Cooks, do you want to tell us a bit about uh, yeah some of your work on that? Yeah, so um, back like midway through last year, Blockstream contacted me to to add uh, Liquid support on BTC Pay, and to add support for that, I needed to add a uh, we needed to add a feature called the uh, the hot well the hot wallet feature, so that they could uh, set up a Liquid node and Liquid wallets with it, um, and and I think it was. In November or December, the the whole idea about pay join and pay to endpoint started pumping again. So I think in November I was looking at it at, at one point, just a brief overview of what's available in the market and what's what specifications have been made around it. Um, so uh, I started looking into it, and with the addition of the hot wallet system, uh, Nicholas pointed out that it should be quite straightforward to actually start working on doing pay join. At least it became possible to do it. And um, Blockstream contacted me and uh, they said they wanted to uh, get the idea moving forward to add it into BTC Pay and that they would uh, sponsor me to work on it. So that, that was a good, uh, that was a good uh, kick at least to get it started. Um, so the work started in around January, so yeah. Fantastic. And so look, let's start talking a little bit about um the BTC Pay server PayJoin. So I'm just, uh, uh, for the audio listeners, I've got on the screen PayJoin implementation notes. So uh, Cooks, can you just talk us through a little bit around what was the scene existing in terms of PayJoin uh, at the time and what was, you know, what's the idea with BTC Pay and what path did you go down? Yeah, so I looked at what's available, uh, what was available in I think November, October last year. And there was, uh, I think there was two or uh, two or three implementations. There's the the stowaway from Samurai. There's the pay join from Join Market, and then there was a uh, bust to pay. But uh, I think it went. I don't think it was any. I don't think it was live anymore for a while. Um, but bust to pay had a, a BIP a BIP uh, with uh, with the specifications for it. So that was a good starting point, at least. Um, I started off by um, pretty much implementing BIP79 bus to pay um, and uh, reading through the feedback of Adam Gibson and, and a few other people, um, which was basically add PSBT support and some other features here and there. Um, and I pretty much agreed with most of them. So I went that route. Um, I think it took maybe a month or two to do that. And afterwards, uh, Nicholas started reviewing it and uh, he did some small changes so yeah <laughs> so uh let's let's talk a little bit about then differences and what what's going into this so um actually first of maybe we should just clarify just for listeners who are unaware a pay join is a transaction where you are so if you're used to doing bitcoin transactions where you just scan and pay that's just like a standard send to the receiver but with a pay join transaction you're actually coordinating that back and forward with the merchant or with the other party so uh so perhaps um cooks you could uh, tell us a little bit about how 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 does that collaboration work in pay to endpoint with btc pay yeah so it's it's actually uh, two yeah go uh, ahead just a little uh, just a little thing that these days i'm writing a proper a proper uh, bitcoin implementation uh proposal so i will just share the link in the private chat so you can show it because there, there sure. is um, 
there is a nice graph that explains a uh, high-level view of the protocol. Uh, so uh, I sent you in the pri private, private chat. Yep, one second. OK. Yeah, this one, yeah. OK, you can go ahead, uh, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so the, the page join implementation in uh, BTC Pay is actually quite simple in terms of collaboration. It's literally, I think it's just one HTTP request from the sender to a receiver. So there's two parties in this always, a sender and a receiver. Um, the, and uh, in, our in, our, in, in our implementation, the receiver is, uh, is a merchant who has an always on server. So it's quite simple for the sender to communicate with the receiver. So the sender just sends the, so the receiver creates a payment invoice, which is a BIP21 uh, payment request. So it's Bitcoin colon address, and then some additional parameters. We just added a flag there, uh, similar to how BustaPay does it, but we changed it from BustaPay to PayJoin. And uh, as soon as the client, the sender sees it, he just uh, notices that there's PayJoin support. And if they support PayJoin, they send the transaction that they wanted to do to the server, to the to the merchant instead of just sending it on the Bitcoin network. And uh, the receiver, if they can do something with it, or if they can uh, provide a pay join transaction or proposal, they'll send it back to the to the sender and they can sign it again and do it on the Bitcoin network. And it's really just a one HTTP uh, request to, to the receiver. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And so um, in terms of some of the parts that go into it, we have uh, PSBT as well. So that's partially signed Bitcoin transactions. So for listeners who are unfamiliar and you want some more detail, go back and episode, see episode 99 with Andrew Chow, the creator of PSBT. Um, but uh, maybe just a simple way to think of it is your Bitcoin wallet is uh, sort of proposing certain transactions and it has to sign them. And then the other side has to take that and then also sign with its own inputs. Uh, would, would you guys agree? That's basically like a kind of a high level summary of what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. So basically just to, so for, for imagine that you want to several people to sign the same transaction. Um, what would happen before is that somebody take the transaction in 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 bytes and give it to somebody else to contribute to it. But the problem is that in the, in a transaction in byte there is lots of missing informations. Uh, where if you give it to the other person, there is lots of work for them to do to add their own signature on top of it. So basically, like PSBT is like a new standard where of a way to represent the transaction with all the data that is needed for the signer. So it's it's easier for each party to verify it and then to sign it. And it has been, it has been a, it, it has been a huge contribution to Bitcoin. It's not a, it's, it's, it's not a consensus layer change. It's not a peer to peer layer change, but it definitely changed the game. Uh, yeah. Right, it's it's, a, it's also used in other things like, uh, say, multi, it could be used in multi-signature or where you have, say, uh, a hardware wallet and you want to be able to use the software on your computer to communicate with the software, or, well, with that hardware wallet. And so that's where PSBT is a useful uh, standard, a wallet interchange format, I think is like the technical term for it. Um, and so uh, let's talk a little bit about the process of putting this into BTC Pay. So uh, maybe you just want to tell us a little bit about what had to change in BTC Pay to make uh, PayJoin work with it, uh, Cooks? Yeah, well, I mean, not that much, honestly, <laughs> since uh, we already have PSBT support, like all across in there. Um, we support sending, so we have a full featured um, wallet uh, in there so that you can send your money through BTC Pay without using another software. Um, we added hot wallet supports uh, a few versions back. So now we could also automate sending money and you can also sign transactions on demand. Um, so in terms of that, it wasn't too bad. Uh, we already generated BIP21 uh, payment requests. So, and we already had a checkout page where you can do a collaboration and show the QR code to the, to the client, to the customer. Yeah. So in terms of 
in terms of BTC Pay, not much change. We just added a little bit more code. Uh, yeah. Basically, the basically the endpoint where the um, where the sender has to connect to to collaborate on the pay join. Yeah, uh, Can I don't you know. Tell us a little bit about BIP twenty one, the payment link. Yeah, so BIP twenty one is quite an old standard at this point. Um, I think it's from two thousand and twelve or something, or maybe even older. Um, it's basically a way to say that you want to pay in Bitcoin to this specific address, this specific amount, and then some additional data. So you can add like a label or a message, or in our case, we added a, a PJ flag, so pay join, and you tell it where to connect to, to actually do the, to do the collaboration. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite a widely used standard. So it felt good to just, it felt natural to just go for that. Yep, yep. And let's talk through, I think it might be, uh, I've got the pay join guide. So let me just uh, pull that up. So here, this is how you actually do it. So for those of you who have BTC pay, or if you're just trying to figure out how that works, you have to enable it. Uh, so Nicola, do you want to just talk us through a little bit about the process around how you do it? Yeah, I just want to add something about uh, the change in BTC pay that we needed. Actually, so to make it work for the first version, it was quite simple as uh, as Cook said, but there was some adjustment that we needed to do. Actually, very often what happened when we add feature on BTC Pay, we start running into stuff that before were hedge ca cases that we didn't care. And uh, one of the one of the uh, edge cases was in BTC Pay. So when you pay an invoice on BTC Pay, actually people can do a, a a replacement, RBF replacement. So imagine that you, you send a transaction to the merchant, there is not enough fees. You can bump the transaction to increase the fees. So normally it was supporting this, but it turns out that there was a bug. Uh, and uh, the second transaction were like increasing the fees of the invoice. So the, 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 this kind of problem, basically when we implemented PayJoin, like it starts surfacing again and like we needed to clean that up. And, the, and because also it's a privacy um, feature, uh, Adam Gibson pointed out lots of, um, uh, how can I say, uh, um, fingerprints of BTC page transactions. So for, for example, we were not properly setting up the sequence uh, of the input of the transaction, very specific details, but that can show off on the blockchain uh, uh, that, can leak some privacy on the blockchain. So this kind of stuff needed to be fixed as well. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, other than this, it was uh, not too much to change. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll absolutely get into some of the fingerprinting and some of those uh, privacy components. Uh, but I think it would be good to just just walk through, just for listeners who maybe they haven't used BTC Pay before, uh, let's talk through some of that process. Uh, did you want to talk through some of that? Yeah, yeah. so... Um, First thing to know is that in PayJoin, uh, you cannot use PayJoin if your store is tied to a hardware wallet. So in BTC Pay, you can, when you create a new store, you can say, okay, all the money go to my hardware wallets. You can do this. Uh, however, if you do that, you cannot use PayJoin because in PayJoin, there is this uh, uh, collaboration between the sender and the receiver and the receiver needs the ability to sign a new, a new transaction, a new PayJoin transaction automatically. So uh, it means that when you create a store uh, on BTC Pay, uh, you need to uh, create your store and go to derivation scheme and say, I want to create a new hot wallet. So it's what, uh, it's what you see here. Uh, then once you are created the hot wallet things, uh, you can just, so yeah, you can scroll. So it's, it's kind of normal setup. And uh, once you created it, there is a there is a checkbox here yeah, that you can check on your store. Say, okay, I want to enable PayJoin. Um, Excellent. I, I'm starting to think maybe in next release or so, maybe we will put that on automatically. But I'm not really sure because it's a uh, so the I, I wish to enable this PayJoin automatically, but it's I don't know if it's a good idea because still like it's a hot wallet. So we don't want to sign something without the explicit permissions of the version. So we might need to do something UX-wise to, to mm. make that easier. 
But yeah, yeah. Uh, or, and or maybe it's like two separate wallets that are there. So you, they would put in their hardware wallet one and then have another one that's just a pay join one, all part of the same store kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So right now you can you cannot do this. Right now it's like one store, one wallet. Uh, but it's all goal like, later to be able to have several wallets for one store. I'm not quite clear how to do that yet, but uh, after you, I, I will explain why it's important as well for for the fingerprinting aspect. Um, and sure. uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, let's talk about paying. Yeah, you also need one more thing so for Patreon to works. You need some uh, some some coins, some UTXO on your wallet. So you need to send yourself some money so that those UTXO can be used with a Patreon with somebody else. Yeah. Right. Uh, and uh, Cooks, did you want to tell us about the process for doing a pay join? So let's say I've got uh, a BTC pay and I want to pay into another BTC pay uh, to do a pay join. Yeah, it should be fairly straightforward, actually. It's as if you're not doing a pay join. It's, um, so you get the payment link from the invoice from BTC Pay. Um, you go on your uh, on the send wallet screen of the um, of uh, BTC Pay for your wallet. You click um, yeah the paste uh, BIP twenty one, and you just give it the 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 payment link, and it'll just populate all the data in there to pay the address and the amount, and it'll also add a pay join URL inside the advanced settings. And um, as soon as you sign. Um, it'll just tell you that it's uh, you can do a pay join, if, or it can try to do a pay join, or you can just uh, skip pay join altogether. And once you click that button, it, uh, which is broadcast pay join, it'll just um, it'll try to negotiate a pay join transaction and uh, send it over the network. So fantastic. So I guess just to summarize, so uh, for listeners, if you're used to using a BTC Pay or paying into a merchant who has BTC Pay in the copy tab at the bottom there'll be that little pay join link so basically you copy that and then you paste that into your own btc pay wallet or now there'll be support with other wallets as well correct so as i understand blue wallet are looking at it uh blockstream green obviously they sponsored some of this work so they're going to get it into blockstream green i think wasabi are looking at it as well uh can you tell us a little bit about that process there of the collaboration uh to make that happen yeah, and one more thing as well. It's not oh, just yeah. a payment link as well. You can also use the QR code, which is uh, what you always scan anyway nowadays if you're on a phone. Um, but yeah, in terms of collaboration, there's Wasabi, I think Join Market, um, Green Wallets, Blue Wallets. Um, there, there is also a Node.js implementation that are in the work. Yeah, that's the, that's the one that's being worked on for, for uh, Blue Wallet. So, but it, it works for both of them. So it's um, it's just a library, a separate library being worked on by Jonathan Underwood from Bitbank and uh, Luke Childs. Um, so um, I, I started trying to mess around with the Blue Wallet implementation just to add it as a prototype. And I talked to some of the guys from Blue Wallet about it and they seemed keen on it and they created some wireframes and UX. So I thought that was a good start to to kind of just t try tampering, uh, tinkering with it a bit. Um, and then I asked uh, Jonathan Underwood and Luke Childs for some help because they're they're more experienced with the Node.js and JavaScript libraries. So uh, with the Bitcoin JS based um, JavaScript libraries. So yeah, and they kind of <laughs> did a lot more work than me at this point on it. So it's all up to them they're pretty much doing, they're pretty much doing all the work so far. <laughs> uh, Excellent. I'm, and that's on the blue wallet side. And basically, if you have a, an open source or well, a bit a JavaScript based wallet, now you can use that library and just implement PageJoin as well. Um, and then in terms of Wasabi, I did a very prelimi preliminary uh, pull request there. And then uh, Lucas Ontivero uh, grabbed it. I don't think he even grabbed it. I think he redid the whole thing and added <laughs> pretty much ported the logic from BTC Pay himself. Um, and since it's in C sharp, Wasabi is in C sharp. It kind of works out pretty well, I guess, for them. Um, yeah, excellent. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about what merchants should think about, right, when they're using this pay join, because now they're thinking. In the past, they might have had the cold wallet with, you know, let's say their Trezor or Ledger or cold card, right? They take the XPUB and put that into BTC Pay. So now they're thinking more like, okay, I've got 
this continually. I'm receiving um, Bitcoins, but it's now on my hot wallet, which I, I could have that on, say, the Lunar Node VPS, or I might have it in some device. Uh, what are the considerations there for the merchants? Yeah, so um, so activating hot wallet definitely like raise the risk uh, of attacks. So for the merchant that I know, in in general, anyway, they are like kind of uh, um, sometimes selling Bitcoin at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, they have all their receipt. They just do a, a transfer to the to the exchange and sell it. So for those people, it doesn't risk that much in the sense that anyway, the money they have on this wallet is always very small. Um, and uh, for people where it's more uh, problematic, so one thing, one feature in BTCP I want to add uh, for for wallets that are hot wallets is uh, automatic transfer. So the idea will be later that you can create your uh, hot wallets and you can say to your hot wallet, okay, if it goes above a certain limit, then do a transaction that send that all on the hardware wallet. So this will decrease uh, the maximum uh, amount of money that you can lose. So yeah, we, we plan to work on this. Awesome. And Cooks, did you want to tell us a little bit about uh, Transmuter and whether that might be something you're looking at as well? Although I understand that is in, in an early stage, right? Yeah, so the, the feature that Nicholas explained is kind of available right now in a plug-in sort of way. So uh, we have BTC Transmuter, which is an alpha. Uh, at least kind of alpha. Um, it lets you basically create hot wallets in there as well. Um, we've had that in there for a long time. And you can tell it to forward funds from one wallet to another. So at least you can kind of mitigate the risk right now by telling by configuring BTC Transmuter and telling it to transfer funds from the PayJoin hot wallet to your hardware wallet in you know every X amount of time or when the balance reaches a certain amount or if you have, you know, any other criteria. Um, so at least you can kind of mitigate it through that for now. Uh, you can do plenty of other things. Um, right now we also recommend it for when you do email receipts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I guess for listeners who might not be as familiar, if you've ever used something like if this, then that, it's kind of like you can set up certain rules or recipes in the transmuter and then it will then uh, automatically execute those. And so... Like you're saying, you can set up a, a hardware wallet and periodically flush out the balance from that. Um, but I suppose if we are thinking about from a privacy perspective, right, that merchant also has to start thinking about, well, do I need to do coin joins out of on the way out, right? So um, I'm doing pay joins uh, with my customer. Let's say I'm a merchant, uh, then that's periodically accumulating. But then I've got to, depending on again who I'm who I'm trying to be private from, I might need to do coin joins before sending that out. So that's another thing to think about as well, right? Yeah, so that, that's an interesting point where um, if you want to coin join before sending to your whole wallet, actually there is a, the way we design the protocol um, is very uh, flexible for what the receiver can do. Actually, so the receiver has lots of flexibility to modi to, to Create a paint joint transaction, and one of the possibilities he can do is bundle his, his own payments inside the pay join uh, transactions. So, which means that actually, like the process of sending money to her hardware wallet, don't have to be in a different transaction. It can be just a customer that pay. So, the customer try to pay. You create a pay join with him, but inside the pay join, at the same time, you send you send all your UTXO to a hardware wallet. And so in one transaction, basically, you get the customer that pay you and you that send to, you know, uh, I don't know, a Nick change or like a, or, or to, uh, to your hardware wallets. So this is something that will be possible. Right. And also, uh, I, I guess you could try and let's say you're the merchant, you could try doing a pay join into your own hardware wallet, potentially, if you found a way to make the PSBT for that work also, you, right? You can't because like, as, as when you want to do a pay join, you, uh, the receiver always has to sign, so you need the keys in hot wallets. Um, yeah, so that's the problem. I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot uh, of sense. 
and, I mean, and even okay. like because so PayJoin is very good if you really have a normal payment. If you are transferring between two wallets, like uh, chain analysis can still kind of get information figure it out and cluster that all together potentially yeah Yeah. and while we're on this whole idea of fingerprinting right so uh just for listeners who are a little bit newer part of the aspect of privacy is trying to break certain heuristics and certain assumptions that are used by an external observer or potentially an observer with inside information so let's say uh the chain surveillance company has kyc data from the exchange and so there's information sharing going on um, and so they would know, okay, Stefan Levera withdrew this mount from this exchange and it went to this address. And so we know that's his coin, that kind of thing. Um, and so uh, it gets into some of this aspect of how can these heuristics be broken? And so I think one of the important ones uh, that uh, Cooks, you were mentioning earlier was BIP69, which is in relation to the output ordering, correct? So uh, the transactions have inputs and outputs and then BIP69, I think it, uh, has some guidance on how to order those outputs. Could you tell us a little bit about that and how that's working in with this? Well, uh, with the initial implementation I had done, it was, uh, I think it was just f- by default following BIP69, but Nicholas uh, refactored it and made it uh, randomize uh, both inputs and outputs, if I remember correctly. And I think that was also some of the feedback from Adam Gibson on making sure it uh, didn't kind of follow that standard. Uh, okay. The main problem, if we follow the standard, it means that any transaction that doesn't follow the standard are not pay join. So uh, it would have been pretty bad. So yeah, that's yeah. why uh, that's why I removed it. So yeah, that's a, a specific fingerprint on its own. So yeah, and that I guess that's part of the broader difficulty around um, coordination, right? So I think. On the whole, like I think this is a great step forward in terms of ping, people being able to use PayJoin, but we have to sort of understand as well that there are limitations there and that uh, you know coordinating cross-wallet can be sort of difficult. And as, as long as there's one leak somewhere, then it can be sort of fingerprinted in a way and they can say, oh, look, see, I think that's a wallet A type of transaction. Or no, that's wallet B because they, they did some other flagging or they did some different end sequence number, right? Yeah, so there, there is um, so when when we implemented PageOn, as I say, there there has been lots of fingerprinting uh, things that have been reported uh, in the BTC Pay server wallet, and I start wondering like how Wasabi Wallet was doing, and I think Wasabi Wallet has the right approach. So most of people are trying to concentrate on how do we do for making all wallet behaving like they are the same. But it's not really possible because you cannot uh, coordinate between people and different wallets to force this kind of behavior. However, what we you can do, and it's what Wasapi Wallet is doing, and I think it's a pretty great idea that we are also implementing BTC Pay, is to randomize uh, your fingerprints. So basically, the, the basic idea is that you check on the blockchain like uh, all the different fingerprinting way of all the different transactions, you create a statistic on this. Then when you need to create a new transaction, you say, okay, maybe 50% of the transaction have lock time zero. And so 50% of the time you create a transaction that has the lock time zero. And so uh, by doing this, basically you you don't you don't hope that all wallet do the same. You don't really care. You just adapt automatically to what majority of the network is doing. And I think it's a, it's a right approach to this. And there is also another uh, thing that I'm uh, interested in is what I call fingerprint poisoning. Uh, so all those different heuristics are very well known. And we know that chain analysis are, are like following that. So if you know that, it means that you can trick them by using those heuristics to draw them in the wrong conclusion. So one of the pay join idea, for example, is that Imagine that in your wallet, you have very small um, uh, amount of change. So having a very small coin inside your wallet can happen in several ways. So one of the ways that uh, chain analysis very often send very little amount of Bitcoin to your wallet, like for example, 500 Satoshi. And when you receive this coin, if you don't, if you make the mistake to spend this coin along with another of your coin, then 
Chainalysis know that this other coin belongs to you. So the idea is uh, with uh, uh, like fingerprinting poisoning is okay. What if we allow the, this user to make a pay joint transaction with this small 500 satoshi? And if they send this 500 satoshi to another to another developer or to another service that support pay join, the service will like mix its own inputs. And like now the, the chain analysis will say, oh, this other input like belongs to the same wallet, but it's not the case. Actually, it's belonging to the person, to another person. So it's kind of like um, a way to trick them. There is other way, like for example, chain analysis very often when you have a, a transaction with two outputs, if there is one output that have a round, uh, round number, so for example, 0 0.1 Bitcoin, they think that it's the payments and the other one is the changer. So like, if you know this, you can, you can take advantage of this heuristic to reverse, uh, to reverse it, where the change has a, a, round, a round amount. So uh, we, we are doing already that. And uh, the basic idea is that they cannot really know who is doing pay join. They cannot really know how many people do pay, do pay join. But nevertheless, they, there is always this little doubt that all their analysis is poisoned, and it might be enough to uh, to prevent them from using their data in a productive manner. Yeah, Cooks, did you have anything to add in terms of that whole discussion around fingerprinting? No, I mean, uh, makes sense as well. And even once we had the uh, batch transactions uh, being bundled inside the um, inside the pay join itself, it's going to be more than it actually becomes more than just a two party coin join, right? You can have uh, I mean, you can batch like five transactions in one and you'll send, you know, you'll all of a sudden you have a five party coin join <laughs> happening in a pay join. So at that point, you can't really say that wallet A and wallet B are, are you know, they're different and that you can't trust it or something or that it's a pay join because of it. So. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. And um, yeah, so I think just touching back to what you were saying, Nicola, there around the uh, drunk wallet or kind of randomized wallet, I think that's an interesting idea as well, because I think trying to align across all of these different wallets is just not feasible, right? Because as soon as one wallet updates, or as soon as one wallet tries to have a new feature, then boom, now they're not in alignment. And as soon as, as and unless you can maintain perfect alignment and maintain it, it's just not a realistic way to proceed. So I think the approach there of the randomizing and putting different fingerprints is probably the right one. Um, I think the other approach I've heard of is trying to mimic a well-known wallet. So things like mimicking Bitcoin Core or mimicking Electrum as an as an example as well. Well, it's it's not also a good idea because actually Bitcoin Core is what maybe ten percent of the transaction of the network. So even if maybe it's popular, it's not that much as well. So. Right, right. It's, yeah, uh, that's that's a good point as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think trying to mimic another wallet is the same problem of trying to do everybody's the same. I, I think the best way is really to randomize those fingerprints and uh, do it in a dynamic manner. So, like right now, Wasabi Wallet, for example, hard coded the probabilities of some of some of the fingerprints. Uh, I think it should be like you know adaptive. Uh, on the condition of the network, but yeah, yeah, I think it's better approach. That's a, the work. Yeah, that's the direction to go in. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, I think the other interesting one is around uh, privacy in terms of uh, perhaps who who do we want privacy against, right? So it comes down to maybe the ideal privacy way of doing pay joins is between, let's say, end user, you know, two end users, let's say. Uh, whereas if one of those parties is a regulated party then pay joining with that person might not necessarily give that much of a benefit because well depending how things go because they might be that regulated party might have some kind of information sharing agreement with say chain surveillance right but what, what do you guys think do you guys agree disagree does it make more sense well, from an end user the, to end user the, always the thing is that uh with pay join the information about what's happening is local it's local so it's not global so even if you are doing a coin join with a regulated entity and this entity is sharing data with with a chain analysis chain analysis is not sharing this data with everybody anybody else 
So like it's still better than just having everybody in the world network knowing what's going on. You know, like yeah, they have kind of siloed information and, and they cannot really easily share with each other because it's their business model. If they share about it, then it's bad for them as well. So uh, I think that even if you are pay, pay joining with a regulated entity, it's still a benefit. Yeah, yeah. And Cooks, did you have anything to add there or do you feel similar? Uh, I mean, I highly doubt that regulated entities are going to be offering pay join as well in, in any case. <laughs> I mean, it, it's too much effort on their, own, on their end and some companies can't even support SegWit. So I doubt they're going to go for pay join. Yeah. Yep. So it'll maintain. It'll be sort of more like a independent merchant and you know the self-sovereign user types who really want to use PayJoin. Well, one thing I will really like to see, and uh, I should try to pin it's exchanges doing it for uh, for um, deposit money. So it will be very nice if one exchange like allow PayJoin for deposits. But yeah, like uh, like Cook said, I, I don't know if it will it will it's uh, it's realistic or not. Uh, maybe we can try to ask. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the other argument I have heard is that potentially, and there are different views I've heard in the Bitcoin world on this, that it can potentially save chain space by uh, the like yes. the, having a kind of a snowball accumulating. UTXO that that yes. may potentially save Bitcoin uh, on-chain space, and therefore exchanges could potentially try and offer that not from a privacy perspective, but from a chain yes. efficiency perspective. What's your view there? Yeah, uh, th that's correct. So right now, like the fees are kind of low, so it doesn't work. But imagine that fees become very expensive; it become very profitable to to batch your uh, UTXO consolidation with the page on of uh, people. So there can be a huge advantage of several dollars per transaction if 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 fees start to rise. So yeah, that's a good point, and that's why also the protocol allows some flexibility to the receiver because it also gives some. Um, uh, so take for example a, a, a Lightning network. So when you are transacting on the Lightning network, everything is private between the two parties. There, there might be a theoretical way to know where the money goes, but it's so complicated that. I'm pretty sure, like no, no, uh, Chinese company is doing that. So, uh, yeah. So, even even if from privacy perspective, Lightning Network is way better than PayJoin, like regulated entity will still support it. Why? Because like they can say, oh, it's not for privacy perspective. It's for uh, the utility of sending payment for cheap. So I think it's an important point, yes. And later on, I don't know how it will go because it, it still maybe I still don't fully understand everything on this. But when we will have um, uh, Schnorr signature into Bitcoin and we can aggregate signature into one, uh, it might be even possible to make to make larger savings uh, around this. So it, it will it will be interesting. Yeah, and so I guess uh, it might be. And the the defense, let's say, of some, somebody who wants to enable PayJoin could just be, look, I'm not just doing it for privacy. It's also uh, it's also this saving of cost. And so, therefore, it is the cheapest way to do it. And also because of not just that, that most people will do it just because it will save them cost. And so then yep. if a lot of people do it, then it kind of drives the incentive for a lot of people to use PayJoin, which in turn helps break the common input ownership heuristic which is what people were trying to break all at the start right which brings it back to what were what were we doing this for right so um yeah did you have anything to add on that idea corks or shall we no it's completely yeah. correct though yeah yeah so, well one of the things also that we plan on doing in the next release of btc pay um will be uh, the refund uh, a refund mechanism for merchants uh, easier refund mechanism and uh, actually we want to try to plug that to pay join so Think about, uh, imagine that a merchant want to get a, uh, want to emit a refund. What will happen is that it will give a link to the user and the user will go to this link and put his own address to receive the refund. And uh, what will happen is that in the database we'll save, okay, this customer try ask for a refund of this amount and put it somewhere in the wallet interface of the merchant. 
And imagine that you have like 10 customers doing this kind of requests. Like what will happen is that all, until, until the merchant like, um, so we will require the merchant to accept it. And when it accepts, we, we will allow him to, do, to say, okay, do it in the next page on transaction. So when on the next page on will come in, comes in, then all those refunds will be bundled inside it. And like you, uh, you make even worse of a mess for analysis on this. Right. And it's more chain efficient too, right? And it's even more chain efficient. It's finally a, a way of doing batching in a user-friendly way, I think. Yeah, I guess just for listeners who are maybe you're a little bit newer, you're not clear what we're talking about there. The idea is in Bitcoin transactions, you are generally charged based how many, like we, we quote it normally, how many Satoshis per byte, right? And so the idea is normally in each transaction, the thing that drives the size of it is the number of UTXOs, the pieces of Bitcoin. And so what you're getting at there is that because you're aggregating across let's say 10 pieces of Bitcoin, the signature data and all those other bits of data, you're sort of amortizing that cost and spreading it. And so that's where we're talking about you're getting a chain efficiency uh, benefit because you're basically costing, you're taking up less bytes on Bitcoin's blockchain. And that's the saving uh, just for listeners who are a bit newer. Um, so uh, did, let's talk a little bit about some of the other new features. I noticed you've got coin selection now in the BTC Pay wallet. So can you tell us a little bit about that, uh, maybe Cooks? Yeah, sure. Um, we've, uh, I think it, it, it was actually quite a simple thing to do because we had, there's so much support in, in Bitcoin to do it and in NB Explorer and all our services already. So <laughs> it was really just a UI thing. We just never exposed it, I think. Um, but Nicholas did all the work like, maybe over a year ago for this stuff. So um, it, I just plugged it in the, in the UI and worked out pretty nice. Um, we also had the labeling for the coin selection. So it was already in in BTC Pay. It was just not um, widely used, I think. It was just uh, something to list in the transactions that you receive so you can label them before. Um, so that came out nice. Um, so now when you now when you go spend the pay join or something, you can actually use the wallet toggle coin selection and say you want to send only transactions that came from an invoice or multiple invoices. So that's great as well in terms of a merchant using the same wallet um, from uh, from incoming funds versus his uh, exchange funds or whatever uh, in case he doesn't want to expose specific data to a merchant. Yeah, and speaking of exposure as well, I think that just reminded me as well this uh, idea of the the probing attack, right? So when you do a pay join, uh, th there's that coordination, and one party is showing the other, "Hey, here's one of my UTXOs." So uh, Cooks, I, I understand you've got a uh, there's some coding in there in BTC Pay around showing just the same one and not kind of showing all the different UTXOs. Well, initially it was showing just the same one. Uh, actually, it was uh, let me see how that was. That was actually. So somebody does a uh, request a pay join, so they send you a transaction, you grab a UTXO based on some uh, model. Um, it, we try to focus on using uh, some heuristics that I think Laurent had uh, had uh, written down in a gist somewhere, um, but we only prioritize by that. If we don't find something that matches pretty good in, in terms of that, we grab one by rand uh, deterministically. I think Nicholas did that part. Um, so we grab one based on the type of uh, transaction that is being presented, if I remember correctly, um, and we return that. And uh, if somebody runs away with that UTXO, uh, it's still in the next in the next uh, attempt because of the terminus, uh, because of how the UTXO is selected. I think I think Nicholas can expand on yeah, this a bit so, better. So basically, like. The, the, the basic of the problem attack is that somebody sends you a normal transaction. So you reply with a page on transaction. By replying with a page on transaction, you are exposing one your, of your inputs. But then the person that, that created this request can decide to broadcast the original transaction, making the page join like invalid. But at the end of the day, it means that this portal learned about one of your inputs. So. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of uh, a somebody that is targeting you uh, can easily 
found out your UTXO. And so we cannot really prevent that 100%, but we can make it more difficult for them to achieve this. And the way we, we do this is if we detect that the, um, the original transaction got broadcasted and rendered the page on invalid, the, the input that was used for this page on will be reused in priority for the next, uh, for the next time. However, it's not 100% sure, because if it was 100% sure, then it means that you have a notification mechanism that the attacker can use to know who is the next person that paid you. So it's, uh, but we're still in priority. So uh, yeah, it's, we cannot prevent it 100%, you know, like if the attacker like create 10,000 uh, 10, invoice in one second, uh, try to data you and doing this, then you will learn all your UTX. So there is no way to prevent that 100%. But we still it need to be targeted. And if you do that, you're spending money on on, uh, on fees. So, uh, and like if lots of merchant is doing it, like you don't gain lots of information on the network in general. And even if you gain this information, uh, as an attack, it's only the attacker that know. It's not the whole network, so it's still uh, it's still better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, and uh, I guess just uh, with coin selection and labeling, that's also interesting. If you are a merchant who is more privacy conscious, you might say, "Oh, this came from a KYC exchange," and you might label those. Okay. Or this just came from customers and so on, and you might tag them and use them in a way that you see fit. Um, uh, and there's some other features as well. So there's a new API. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about that and what's the direction that you're going for with that? Yeah, sure. Um, oh, yeah, you want to go? go? Okay. Yeah, it's um, so it's still quite early. We only have um, maybe three APIs so far, which is you can register a new user and you can create or edit a store, just a name actually for now. Um, but the basics is there, so we can expand upon everything in the UI. So the idea is that we can anything you can do through the UI, you can do through the API, and maybe even more honestly, because um, we have a lot of features inside the BTC Pay that we don't completely expose in the UI. Um, so that should be interesting as well to see what people can come up with. Um, my the way I'm going to be testing the API to see if it's like useful is I think I'm going to be developing a small well, small, relatively small app, um, like cross-platform. So you can use BTC Pay as a wallet on your phone or as a desktop application to manage as a merchant. So um, that's how I'll be testing all the API stuff I'll be working on. Well, yeah, we'll be working. The, the future, I guess that's, that will... Yeah, as well, uh, since we have a, since we also have the third party, well, not third, we have a plugin uh, called BTC Transmitter that connects to BTC Pay. We can also just hook it up to all the new API stuff that's available. So you can trigger anything on the UI basically on it. Um, like for example, we have a full we have full interoperability with uh, with all the Lightning nodes inside BTC Pay. Like you can tell it to open channels or pay Lightning invoices if we wanted it to, but we never exposed it. Um, so actually, with Transmitter, you can already do that. But I don't advertise it much because I haven't tested it that much yet. Um, but it would be nice to actually build all these things inside a nice UI for or a separate application that uses BTC Pay under the hood. Yeah, one of the things that we we plan on doing in this API as well as he's mentioned is that uh, so in Lightning you have like five different implementation or something like this: Zeclair, LND, C Lightning, Peter Megan, like whatever, like it's, go it's growing with time. And the, the, the thing is that all those different implementations have their own specific feature, but there is a core feature that everybody has, which is create an invoice, pay it, connect to a peer, and create a channel. You know, like whatever implementation you are doing, they all do the, these core features. Um, so in BTC Pay, we already did the work to abstract all of this. So like basically no code, there is no condition if LND, LND do this, if C-Lining do that. We don't do that at all. We have a common interface, a common abstraction where whatever the, implementer, what, whatever the implementation is, we just create the invoice, send a payment or like do this kind of operation of normal Lightning network. So this, we will, we will expose this API. So it means that people that 
will integrate with this and that only need those common feature of Lightning Network. Uh, we'll be able to support all different uh, implementations of, of Lightning Network and add it to their app and it will just work. Awesome. So yeah, so it can make it a little bit easier in terms of uh, people who want to code up their additional feature. They don't have to think about, oh, what does LND, how does LND say this? How does C Lightning say this? How does Electrum say this or whatever else? It's kind of all part of the one um, thing. Um, and there is also BTC Pay Vault. So did you want to just tell us a little bit about that? And where is that at this point? Yeah, so BTC Pay, so uh, it's a feature we added like maybe, I don't know, six months ago. So it's not too, very new. But uh, for a long time, BTC Pay Server was only supporting, uh, uh, oh, it's called? Uh, Ledger. Ledger Wallet. And so Ledger Wallet was implemented via its technical detail, but via uh, U2F protocol. And U2F protocol normally it's used for authentication. Uh, you know, it's like when you plug in, when you try to log to your uh, Google account, you can use like a key like this, you know, plug your USB key like this, and then click on the button to authenticate you. So it's like a two-factor authentication. And basically, Ledger Wallet, for example, was hacking this protocol to transmit data to their hardware wallet, which was a great idea. Uh, the, the problem with this is that Microsoft, with an update, like completely broke it. Uh, because now, every time you send a message to this device, there is a pop-up that is coming up on Windows. And this pop-up basically makes the, the process so slow that it completely broke the integration. Like you. For, for, for signing a transaction, you will need to wait five minutes in front of your computer while a pop-up like go up and down and like you could not click anywhere. So it was a disaster. Uh, there was also web USB, but web USB like don't work. Like <laughs> depending on of, of if you are on Linux or Windows or Mac, like there is shit that's going on. So we, we completely stopped using it. Uh, so the idea was uh, how can we do this? How can we support any wallet? With a, with, in a way that we are sure that nobody will broke. And uh, there, there, there's been like Andrew Chow that is doing this. So Andrew Chow that created PSBT, actually, one of the reasons he created PSBT was to create a sort of abstraction over hardware wallets. Uh, and on top of PSBT, he created this project that is called HWI Projects. It's a command line. It's a command line uh, application that allow you to always use the same interface with PSBT to sign your transaction, whatever the wallet you're plugging to your computer. Uh, so, but problem is that it's a command line application, so people cannot. Normal people don't use it. So what we did, what we created is like it's called a BTCP Vault. So BTCP Vault is a desktop application that you run. And this desktop application uh, under the hood is basically using this HWI utility developed by Andrew Cho. And um, what, what this application is also doing is opening um, a communication channel that your browser can talk with. So basically what's happening is that you open BTCP server vault then in BTCP, in your BTCP server website, you can say, okay, I want to sign with your hardware wallet. And from the JavaScript of your browser, we will communicate with the BTCP server vault. And basically we can sign any transaction of any hardware wallet supporting the HWI, uh, that are supported by HWI. So uh, it, uh, it has been a huge step in usability of hardware wallets. Now you can use any hardware wallet you want and it just works. There is never any problems on this. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it has been awesome. It's uh, it's really yeah, and, and you have to keep in mind as well that you can also uh, use uh, other applications with the BTC Bay Vault because it's just an API, right? So you just need some JavaScript. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you can build your own app, and you can just connect to BTC Pay Vaults uh, for hardware wallets signing and uh, fetching, configuring wallets and whatever. Yes. So yeah, like you said, it's, it's open to a, any website that want to integrate with it. They can do quite easily. Uh, and uh, 
there, an, an important point as well is that this work of hardware wallet integration is done basically by Andrew Charles. So he's doing all the integration of all hardware wallets. And I, I hope that we will find a new, by making AWI used more and more, I hope it will reverse the tendency where new hardware wallet maker will integrate themselves to HWI because they want to be supported by a bunch of services that only support HWI. And uh, it will be great because hardware wallet maker in general are not software developer. So it's better if they can just concentrate on doing the hardware and then just do this small kind of integration and then they can just integrate to any application that support HWI. And uh, I think it's a great idea and it's uh, Andrew Cho that worked to reach this point today and it took lots of time and I think it's finally uh, getting starting to get the benefit of this approach right now. Yeah, um, I haven't had a chance to use BTC Pay Vault. I actually will uh, have a look at it next uh, after this. But um, in terms of using it, are you able to, is it able to just ingest the XPUB out of like when you plug it into your computer and then it does a lookup against its you know full node and then says, okay, this is your balance, these are your transactions? And then you're able to yeah, so do that. The idea or? is that when you create a new store on BTC Pay server, like you need to say, okay, where the money goes. So, and in the option you say, okay, use the BTC Pay Vault. And so, the, uh, if you choose this, the BTC Pay Vault will just show you a pop-up to know that to ask you, uh, do you really want to expose this kind of data to this website? So, if you click yes, then. Uh, we uh, the BTC Pay fetch the XPUB directly from your hardware wallet and then populate all the data that is needed for the integration to work. So it's you, uh, the user experience is way better than saying to the user, or oh, if you be, before that we would say to the user, if you have Ledger, you need to open Ledger Live to go to this tab to copy paste this data and to put it there. And it was very complicated. Now it's just like start the start the uh, vault and that's it yeah you can uh, yeah. if you wanted to compare the vault to something it would be um trezor has a has a dedicated app as well that you run on your computer i think it's called trezor bridge and it works almost exactly the same way except the trezor bridge only handles trezor obviously right yes. and so this works cross wallets yeah, and this and you Trezor can, bridge don't allow any other application than the wallet yeah. Trezor.io to access. Yeah, you can only so you can only uh, we cannot use it. Yeah, you can only use it with Trezor.io. So, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, are there any other tips that you guys have for merchants out there? So, let's say a merchant is listening and they want to use BTC Pay or they are using BTC Pay. Have you got any tips for them in terms of what to do, how to do it with? Well. Like, uh, we are more interested in the reverse, the feedback that they, they can get, like what kind of problem we, we can solve for them. I think the next big problem that we can solve for them is the refund uh, UX flow. Um, so also, I, I, I'd like, so if you are a Bitcoin, a merchant Bitcoiner, and you, I, I would like that you start uh, allowing pay join and that you advertise it so that we can retweet this. And may, may, I guess you will have like interested user that won't just buy, buy something just for the fact that they will, they will uh, mix their UTXOs. So <laughs> it would be pretty great. Awesome. Cooks, any, anything from you that uh, you would like uh, BTC Pay users to know? Um, yeah, I mean, we get a lot of questions sometimes about the uh, conversion to fiat and whatever. So we also have plugins, uh, BTC transmuter and all those uh, similar things. We also have the configurator actually um, that you can use to either edit your existing deployment in BTC Pay or configure exchanges to set, uh, to transfer your incoming Bitcoin to 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 market sell or trade. Um, I'm always looking for feedback on that as well. Um, so it's always the reverse kind of thing. But if you want these kind of features, they are available. They just need, uh, I just need feedback from people to refine them. Excellent. And uh, look, just for the last question, we're obviously coming up to the halving very soon, right? So we're recording this uh, 10th of May, 2020. We've got the halving coming up in, you know, two days or whatever. Uh, so have you guys got any uh, reflections or any thoughts on the halving and what's coming in this next epoch? 
Well, on, on my side, even though Bitcoin is unpredictable, I have no no fucking uh, clue of what's going going on. So I, I just I, I you know from so this halving every four years, like I was used to think that it was a technical mistake from Satoshi. I think it should be it should have been you know more gradual. But at the end of the day, like it's kind of a social event as well. You know, it's like a, it's pompastic. So <laughs> it's like. Okay, it's every four years. It could have been better on the on the technical plan, but it's always like the the, um, the occasion for the Bitcoin community to celebrate and make some noise about it. So well, it's not that bad. <laughs> and cooks, yeah. I mean, as long as the I mean, for me, I kind of enjoyed the bear market. I got to get more technical and work without having to worry about people. Ah, oh, you lost my money or something. So it's it's kind of nice. Um, I'm I'm excited to see what happens now. Awesome, guys. Um, so look, listeners, make sure you check out BTC Pay. Let me just put this up on screen share. So this is the website, btcpayserver.org. Go and sign up, go and use it. I use it myself on my own personal website and on Ministry of Nodes. We use BTC Pay Server. Uh, and obviously follow the guys. So Nicola, he is on Twitter at Nicola Dorio. And Cooks is on Twitter at Mr. Cooks. Uh, any, anywhere else that you would like the guys to find you online or that's pretty much it? So another place where you can find us is uh, on chat.btcpayserver.org. Uh, so like it's where the community is hanging out around. And like uh, if you have problem, you come here. We always check at least once a day. Like there is several of us to reply to questions. So it's, it would be great. And yeah. also, uh, Stefan, did you activate join for your donation page? I have. I just did. Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. Good to know. <laughs> I have. I did. Um, so I've got a little widget there. So that's actually a good tip as well, because um, one thing uh, I was actually, in fact, I asked Nicola, Nicola himself. Um, one thing, if you already run BTC Pay, it's a good way that you can help your friend who wants to take donations. You can just get them to set up an account on your BTC Pay. And I've done that for other people. So I've done that for other people in the Bitcoin community. I won't name them just to not dox them, but they use, they kind of piggybacking off my BTC pay. So that's something you can do if you are, let's say, you know, you're a Bitcoin advocate and you want to use it and you want to help other people, then this is another way you can help your friends get started with accepting Bitcoin into their shop because you're, you're helping them just piggyback off your instance. So that's probably the final tip. Um, but uh, look, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. So thank you very much, guys, for joining me. Listeners, you can find me online at Stefan Levera and subscribe at stefanlevera.com and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, that's it, guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks. <laughs>